0: it seems to me through the scriptures that the enemy
1: gains legal, if you will, access to our lives when we have unconfessed sin in our lives as believers. The scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8, he that diggeth a pit or a hole shall fall into it and whoso or whosoever breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. A serpent. Now the serpent was possessed in the garden of Eden by Satan, also In Revelation, believe we find where the devil is given several names in his fallen state, having once been Lucifer. And one of those names is that old serpent, Revelation 12 tells us. That old serpent. That's Revelation 12, verse 9. Satan, the devil, he's called also the great dragon that deceiveth the whole world. He is called that old serpent. And when we, according to Ecclesiastes 10, verse 8, when we break a head, the hedge of the Lord's protection, if you will, then a serpent or devils can bite us. Now, why do I think that there's a situation where Satan can gain access into the lives of believers? Well, because God tells believers in James chapter four, that they must submit themselves therefore to God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. So Satan, let's take it at face value. Then we'll look at the converse, if you will. If we're submitted to God, we can resist the devil and he has to flee from us she has no ground in our lives. Now, if we are living in sin, then we are not submitted to God. We cannot resist the devil, and he will not flee from us. He doesn't have to. Now, what's the context here? Well, the context is strife, chapter 3, leading up into this chapter, and also in the beginning of this chapter 4 of James. We see there's wars and fightings among those people he was writing to, those believers. There was lust. There was killing or probably murderous thoughts and unforgiveness and strife. There's desires to have maybe covetousness again there's fighting and warring going on in their midst verse three and then verse four. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Ye you know not that the friendship of the world is the enmity or hate with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So this world and it says love of the world and the love of the father cannot be in anyone who loves this world, right? First John chapter two, verse 15. So these people have become the enemies of God. These are no doubt brethren. This book was written to brethren. And then he speaks in verse six, beginning in verse six about God giving grace to those who humble and Themselves. He's bringing the solution in, and that begins with humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves to God, if you will, or those go hand in hand. Then we can resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Now, another evidence that we have that Satan is in their midst is because in the previous chapter leading up here into this chapter 4, chapter 3 speaks the tongue, and how the tongue, verse 6, is a fire, a world of iniquities. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and set on on fire, the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell, set on fire of hell. Also, toward the end of this chapter, in our context here, we see that the wisdom that is from above is first purer than peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. But in verse 15, the wisdom of the world and of men and of devils is what? This wisdom, verse 15, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So Satan was obviously wreaking havoc on these people that James was writing to, and hell had broken loose upon them. And I don't think I'm stretching that, friend, because we've got this very wording right here in this passage. Again, the wisdom of this world is what? It descended not from above, it's from another source, which is Satan. It's earthly, sensual, and it's devilish. So when we read here in chapter 4, Paul says that these believers who were now on the outs with God, they were like the five foolish virgins who broke their fellowship with the Lord through sin and namely the sin of neglecting him and having another God, any other God before him, they are in need of getting back right with God. And uh, because Satan has broken loose upon them and God who giveth more grace will resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. So he tells them to humble themselves. And in verse seven of chapel, he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil. and He will flee from you. We get phone calls on a regular basis. And that's what we're here for, helping people to be delivered. And praise God, he's been doing a marvelous work at that. That's why Jesus Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of the devil in the lives of people. 1 John 3, 8 tells us the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Acts 3, 26, the Bible tells us that God sent his only begotten Son to bless us. Jesus came in the volume of the book it is written. in one aspect of that in Isaiah 61, 1, we read that Jesus would come and he would set at liberty those that are bruised and set free those that have been taken captive. And that would be by sin. The ravages of sin and Satan. And we see the fulfillment of that in Luke 4, where Jesus stands to read. And he reads Isaiah 61.1. It's quoted here. He reads from Isaiah the prophet. That prophesied of his coming, the Messiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the broken hearted, to preach deliverance. There it is. Deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. That's not only physical, but that's going to be spiritual also. And set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now notice we have preaching deliverance. And gentlemen, you that are called to preach, we need to preach the gospel. We We hear very little preaching in this last hour. We hear teaching. And a lot of that is false and misguided. And so we're going to have to ask God to anoint us with the Holy Ghost in a fresh new way and go on a special fast that God would help us to preach the gospel, not only to the saved, but to the unsaved. So the gospel of Jesus includes preaching and includes deliverance. Am I adding something to this passage? Don't think so. I'm reading it right here in Luke 4, 18 and 19, my friend. Jesus came, God anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. There it is. Preach, proclaim it, declare. He has sent Jesus to what? Heal the broken in heart. God sent his only begotten son to heal mankind, ultimately in being with him eternally. But there are measures of healing throughout the scripture that are still for us today to preach deliverance to the captives. Jesus delivered numerous people in the gospels from demons. He cast out demons. Remember the woman, I think it's Luke 13, that was a daughter of Israel that was bent over and she was bound by Satan, Jesus said. So Jesus obviously cast out demons the devil. The, I believe it was a 12-year-old, a parent, the father brought the 12-year-old to the disciples. They weren't baptized with the spirit yet. But anyway, obviously they had the ability to, given them by the power of attorney of Jesus to go cast out devils, but they weren't able to. The father brings the child of Jesus and Jesus tells his disciples, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. That's Matthew seventeen twenty-one. You may be interested to know that if you've got a new version, if you've got anything but the King James Bible, that verse might be conveniently missing as would benefit one. Satan tells you where the new versions come from, in my opinion. Jesus cast out the devil and sets the, I believe it was a young boy, 12 years old, free. We see this over and over. By the way, that's Matthew 17, 21. You might want to go make sure that's in your Bible. Also, Jesus sent his disciples, the 12. Again, this was even before Pentecost, to do a few things in his name. He says in Matthew 10, 1, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, what did he send them for to do? He sent this 12 forth to, uh, and gave them power against unclean spirits. In other words, and he says to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And we pray for those things. And if we're walking in the spirit, God's going to do a work. And somebody says, well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does happen? First of all, second of all, your part is simply to go out in the power in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, and do what God called you to do, to deliver deliver the gospel message, and also to cast out devils so men can be made free. It's far too little of that, folks. When we live in the day and hour when the Bible says Satan has come down with great wrath, knowing that his time is short. Now, right after this, we see in verse 7 of Matthew 10, and as you go, Jesus tells them, as he's commissioning them, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. He says it again. Here it is. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Whatever we have to give, we have freely received of the Lord. And if we haven't received it, then we won't have it to give. And perhaps that's the problem. You see, the unbelief in us, this kind of unbelief and devil, cometh not out but by prayer and fasting, Jesus said, Matthew 17, 20 one and when you've done all you can do to stand just stand and leave it in the hands of God but to be in a place with God that you're pure in heart and your garments are continually being washed white as snow by the blood of a lamb as you walk in the spirit and if you do happen to commit a sin that you confess it and you deal with it and get it out of your life so Satan has no place and so that you can be a vessel unto honor meet for the master's use prepared unto every good work and be able to be fit for the master's use or one who's prepared and one as a tool that Jesus can use. We've got to keep the sin out of our lives. And we've also got to realize that when people come to you for help, many times they have committed a sin, one or more, that has broken down the hedge of the Lord's protection. As we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8, you want to become familiar with that verse. And so they need to confess and repent of that sin and humble themselves according to James 4, 6, and 7, a prescription from the Lord. Submit themselves afresh to the Lord in repentance and returning to him. Then resist the death and I believe you and I can help them with that, cast out devils, take authority. Once they've confessed their sins, then they can resist the devil. And he what? He has to flee from them. He has to flee from them. He has no more legal right. in the child of God who has submitted afresh to the Lord, having once strayed and allowed Satan to come back into the life and to wreak havoc, and I believe God set it up that way so that there can be a system that runs believers back into the loving arms of Jesus. Because once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you're really not going to want to be under the rule of the personification of evil himself, Satan. And we've, you know, seen over the years where people that served God once, they got caught up in sin, dabble with it. You know, the Bible tells us that there's a progression. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is finished, brings forth death. In James 1, 13 through 15, when we begin to submit our minds to sinful things, then we open ourselves up to lust. Busting, and then comes death. That's how it happened. And in Second Peter we see also a progression that people can become entangled therein and then overcome in that order. Second Peter two twenty and twenty one, you can become entangled therein in sin and then overcome by it. Also, we see in Second Timothy, I mean, this stuff is all over the Bible, all over the scriptures. We've got to dig this out. We've got to study to show ourselves approved. We've got to own this truth and be possessed by it, and also to teach this truth and these truths to others, beloved. That's what Jesus sent us to do, to teach all men all things. We've got to stop limiting the portion of the word of God to the, the little smingens we receive on Sunday morning. Now, I don't want to go off on that right now, but your local church, as good as you think it might be, it's not the kingdom of God. It's limited. If I was pastoring, it surely would be limited. I can tell you that. Don't limit yourself to what one man or one little organization's given out. In most cases, that's very, very little. And spiritually, you're dying in most cases. If you go to most of these apostate local churches, they don't give you enough to keep you alive. And it's only on one day a week that you meet with them. This gospel is a daily gospel, or it's not at all, folks. That's what Jesus said. If you're going to follow him, and that means you're not following him if you don't do what? Follow his instructions. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. The Apostle Paul, Jesus' as Apostle Paul, tells us this in the end of 2 Timothy 2 as we wind up here. So many things to say on the subject, but I want to keep this message brief. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. He's talking about when we minister and as we minister, which should be daily. Giving our lives over to the Lord, we're overcoming by the blood of a lamb and by the power of the whole Holy Spirit, and we're not just trying to barely make it. We're there in position prepared of the Lord, Second Timothy 2, 1, as a vessel, meet a disciple that's meet or fit to be used in the master, amen, prepared unto every good work. Got to get beyond this just barely getting along and spiritually, got to get into a position of strength with the Lord, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty with all the benefits and blessings of God at our disposal to pray into the lives of people who have needs and who have been ravaged by the devil, who have stumbled into sin or whatever the case may be, or just been outright attacked or in hardships. We've got to be there for them. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves if God, peradventure, or perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Notice that repentance is a gift, but also repentance is going to precede deliverance here. Notice that the last verse, verse 26 of 2 Timothy 2, and that they may Recover themselves out of the snare The trap of the devil Who are taken captive by him at his will Apparently people can become Entangled therein and overcome in sin And Satan now has rule over their life Legal ground, if you will And he's over them like a 400 pound wrestler On you, on that person Who's a 100 pound weakling, if you will In and of themselves, they certainly are That's how we all are And so they've got this person This is the picture that seems to be here Pinned down In fact, they are taken captive by him at his will his will, and we know his will is nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Of course. He has no mercy. He is going to ravage and destroy their lives. So you and I, in meekness, have to be there to receive the phone call or to pray for the people and to be available to them in ministry. Those that oppose themselves, they're in such a place of entanglement and subversion of spirit sometimes that they oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance, see, repentance has to precede this deliverance to the acknowledging of the truth, in other words, the acknowledging of the truth that they sinned against God, that's opened the door, that's broken the hedge. Satan has come in through that inroad so that they may be recovered, recover themselves out of the snare of who? The devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. When people repent, then God and return to the Lord. Then they can submit themselves to God, resist the devil. They submit themselves to God in humility and repentance. Then they can resist the devil and he will flee from them. I have a longtime friend who travels the world casting out devils. And so I discussed with him and further planted the truth of God in his life that he is wasting his time and money traveling the world, praying for people that don't want to be delivered. Folks, if they don't want to be delivered, God's desire and mine too, because I agree with God. is to keep those people under the snare of the devil, to keep that 400-pound devil, if you will, figuratively, on top of them, smothering, destroying, making them miserable until they're ready to repent. In fact, the believer that won't repent when he's confronted has to be turned over to who? Satan, for the destruction of his flesh, so may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 5. The Lord is a loving, merciful God, and he does not want anyone to perish, and so he will allow people who will not repent that were once his, especially, namely, because that's what these are mainly talking about, because anybody who hadn't repented and been saved is a child of the devil. That's clear. And But we're talking about Christians who would sin. They must repent, confess their sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. They can submit themselves to the Lord, and the, the devil can be cast out of their life. His oppression of their life and his tampering and attacking and his schemes against them. The Bible talks about the wiles of the devil. They can be shut out. But repentance is the starting place. Make no mistake. Repentance is the starting place. And if somebody's not going to repent, not going to acknowledge their sin and repent of it, then you and I need to walk away and let them remain in the bondage of the devil, because that is the the place they're going to be most likely to repent of and uh, get fed up with it and get out of it. Let me refresh your memory, beloved, and I want you to get in the Bible and study about the enemy of our soul. Satan is much on him. And also remember that he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's very active in his mission to destroy. You. You are a child of God. You're not your own. You're bought with the blood. And you must stay crucified with Christ to remain abiding in the secret place of the Most High and and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91. So you must submit yourself to God on a daily basis. If you do stumble somehow into sin, we never have to, but if you choose to, in thought, word, or deed, you must repent of this to keep Satan out of your life. The Bible says we're to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wiles, the strata. Strategies, the trickery of the devil, Satan and those who are used by him lie in wait to deceive. I believe that's Ephesians 4, 14, 15, right in there. They lie in wait to deceive. In other words, they are behind every bush. They are looking for opportunity. They are seeking to gain access into your life. Make no mistake. You are in a warfare. It's a war for the souls of men. And first and foremost, it's a war for your soul. So you've got to guard your heart, beloved, with all diligence. Keep it for out of it are the issues of life life. This is not a game. Millions who have been saved would venture to say in the past died and went on before us, but they allowed themselves along the way to fall away, which Jesus himself told us is possible after being saved, Luke 8:13. 13. And then they died in a state of sin. They died in sin without repenting, confessing their sins, you know, somehow believing that everything was all right, or maybe they fell away and wanted to fall away or whatever. But I think that most of them in that case think that they're saved because they've been told they're once saved, they're always saved, basically they have no personal responsibility, and everything's all right no matter what they do, which is ridiculous. Lots to talk about here, friend. Let's let's finish here with something that I think is very important here. Once we get delivered, and let me tell you, you got to keep yourself delivered. Don't be embarrassed if you've got to confess a sin and you've been saved for 45 years or whatever. That doesn't matter. you got to get the devil out of your life. Find a good brother if you're a brother or a good, solid, loving disciple if you're a brother or a sister. Find another sister or a couple that you can pray with if that's what you need to do. I really think we can get to the place where we don't even wait to to confess it to somebody else. We just confess our sin before God. That's what really matters, because against D&D only have I sinned, David said Psalm 51, and just denounce sin after we repent of it, return to the Lord, acknowledge it before him, and just tell Satan to get out of your life, cast out devil, get him out of your own life. Jesus, the Bible says, I forget, neglected to say this one earlier, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Bible says, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You see, that's God's will that all who are oppressed of the devil, if they repent, can be healed. That's why Jesus came. That's why he sent us. You see, even so send I you. I came to do these things. Now, lo, I am with you even to the end of the world. Great commission, the end of Mark, if you've got a King James. Otherwise, the new versions also cut this portion out, which and then they cast doubt on it in their little footnote that it even existed. Of course it existed and uh, was in the original Greek. It in the majority manuscripts. Satan didn't want it in there because he didn't want to be cast out. Obviously, that, that's got hoof prints all over it. The fact that it's been removed because Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Then he says, it's verse 15, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they do what? They uh, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. See, we're anointed and set forth to cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, that's what happened at Pentecost and throughout the Book of Acts, and the, the early in the early church, people were baptized with the Holy Ghost. If you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost, you're walking in your own power, and you're going to be defeated. You will never accomplish or be fruitful for the Lord as He's ordained you to be. I didn't say you weren't saved, but God wants you to have what many call the second blessing, the baptism in the Spirit. Don't let anybody rob you out of it. It's a gift from God, according to the Book of Acts. Jesus said, "You shall receive power after." that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He's talking to his own people. they were already say you shall be witnesses. So if you're going to be a witness and you're going to be able to fulfill the will of God as Jesus stated here and it had changed and we're going to be judged by it to be able to cast out devils, speak with new tongues in his holy name, take up serpent. If a serpent comes our way, there's the word serpent again and isn't that interesting? We're going to be able to take them up or defeat them if you will. The Bible, Jesus said that uh, in Luke 10, speaking of serpents, the devil himself Verse 19, Behold, I given to you power to turn on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's Luke 10:19, And then back over here to the Great Commission, one of the renderings of it, in the one in the book of Mark 16 at the end of the book, Jesus says you'll take up serpents if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. God will protect you. In other words, that's all this is saying. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Are you baptized in the Holy Ghost, my friend? We need to be baptized with the Holy spirit and then it says in verse 20 and they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following all right what I was going to say and I want you to go study this in Luke 12 the Bible tells us Jesus taught us somewhere beginning in about verse 43 that where when a demon spirit goes out of a person's life after they repent when well, they cast out the devil because they regain Jesus gains legal regains a seat of authority there if you will then that demon will go return to that house or that person from whence he came out and find it swept empty swept and garnished empty ESG empty swept and garnished then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than themselves and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation now one of the things that means is that if somebody gets delivered you must get them in the word and as much as they're going to be obedient themselves and take personal responsibility. If you and I get delivered, we have to get in the Word of God and fill our vessel with the oil of the presence of God and the Word of God. Hallelujah. By diligent, daily studying to show ourselves approved unto God workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth so that our vessels are so full of the Lord that Satan can't get in. Instead of being empty, swept and garnished, I've seen people get delivered and yet they never diligently followed the Lord after that and later they were taken over by seven other spirits more wicked than the one that was first there. That's Matthew 12, 43 through 45. God bless you, friend. There's so much to this subject. Study to show yourself approved concerning this subject, friend,
0: and feel free to visit SafeguardYourSoul.com. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on SafeguardYourSoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting and feel free to visit our donate page on the site and you can use your debit card, PayPal or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country